The primary purpose of the matter over mind experience is to educate. It doesn't constitute advice or services. Before making any changes, please consult a medical or dietary professional. Nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So, take a seat and enjoy the ride. Welcome to another episode of the Matt Overmind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. And I am stoked for this episode with Dr. Robert Silverman, chiropractor, clinical nutritionist, and best-selling author. In fact, I have one of his books right here, Immune Reboot, one of my nightly readers. I actually love this book, fantastic information. He talks about one of my favorite topics, gut health. But what makes it unique, he connects gut health to long COVID. So you see where I'm going with this, right? Oh, yes, we have a whole lot of stuff to talk about. And the Hackity episode, some ways that we can reduce the severity and length of long COVID symptoms. Oh, yes, we got some controversial stuff for you today. And with that being said, let's welcome Dr. Rob to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here as well. I am too. I, I was trying to think, excited is not even the word. I cannot, I really cannot wait for this. So with that being said, let's get it started and Love tell it. my audience about yourself. Well, again, thanks for having me. Um, I'm a chiropractor. I've been in practicing chiropractor for almost 24 years, um, Chiropractic was draw. I was drawn to chiropractic because I suffer from a congenital abnormality called torticollis. I have a shortening of muscle on the right side of my neck, and um, the medical model really didn't offer me anything. Unfortunately, I, they tried. There was just no real answer for it. I went to at eighteen years old, many many years ago, much older than you, my friend. And in that, I went to his fabulous medical doctor and the medical doctor said to me, I give you three options. Number one, you can do nothing, which didn't seem to be a good answer. Number two, he could do some surgery, pull on the muscles and guarantee me a scar. Not much better. Or three, I could try a chiropractor. And he said the chiropractor wouldn't kill me. So it was worth an opportunity. So a little tongue in cheek, I went to the chiropractor and man, when I was worked on by the chiropractor, the Star Spangled Banner went off. I saw stars. It was incredible. It changed my whole life trajectory. I wasn't sure what I wanted to major in college. I knew what I wanted to do after that. And now I don't have a job. I have a mission every day because chiropractic really put me on that path. The beautiful thing about chiropractic is that enabled me to incorporate nutrition, modalities, critical thinking, and the ability to help patients without any kind of medical intervention. And that's why the idea of COVID really um, resonated, unfortunately, with me when it came. So with that being said, that's going to lead me to my next question. 
Because we said we introduced it long COVID, right? Long COVID. So what requirements must someone must be met for so so we consider that hey, someone's suffering from long COVID? Here's a technical definition. The continuation or development of new symptoms three months after the initial SARS-CoV-2 infection, with these symptoms lasting for at least two months with no other explanation. You know, a, a more layman's term is you got sick, you got COVID, and the symptomology lasted for a period of time. Or even though you had COVID, you had some symptomology. And the symptomology is really life-changing. So many people have had long COVID and their life has changed. Number one thing that you'll see with long COVID without question is fatigue. Now, with the idea of long COVID, it's interesting. It originally was called long hauler syndrome. It was May 2020 when a Twitter uh, expert, somebody who tweeted a lot, said, man, I've had COVID for two months. I'm long hauling with these symptomologies. And it went from there. Did they use those exact terms? They used the, the term long hauler. We've tightened it up to call it long COVID. E- either one, they are synonymous with each other now. So it's like long COVID doesn't even sound like a medical term. It seems like it's just a term that we kind of made up and we've just been rolling with it ever since, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny that long hauler was exactly what you just said. There's 10 different diagnoses for long hauler, long COVID syndrome. It's actually a medical diagnosis now in the ICD-10. So when you go to the doctor, you clearly can get a diagnosis of long COVID, long haulers, PCASC, any of the aforementioned would be a diagnosis. So then let's talk about pre-existing conditions because we know with COVID and we know the impact that it has, pre-existing conditions, the connection with those and with COVID. So connect pre-existing conditions with long COVID. You know, interestingly enough, I mean, the takeaway here is that people who were healthier didn't get long COVID as often as people who were unhealthy. Now, some of the problems that we have in the American population, and I'm going to really try and highlight the American population and both of us living in America, um, and it kind of cascaded through the world also was if you were healthy, you did much better, you responded better to COVID, and you didn't get long COVID as much. Didn't mean you didn't get it. So if you're unhealthy, it posed an issue. 75% of Americans, you're a weight ex- weight loss expert, 75% of Americans are either overweight or obese. It's almost 50% of people now are overweight. Being overweight causes inflammation. Fat cells, which are expanded when you're overweight, are depositories for toxins. So essentially, not only are you heavy, but you're inflamed. That being all said, here are some of the things that you want to know about, I'll say, preconditions that led you down a path of a higher incidence of COVID-19. Number one, any kind of previous history of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, maybe the biggest one, and after long COVID, diabetes also. Obesity, which we've just talked about, hypertension, metabolic syndrome, which is like prediabetes. Unfortunately, advanced age, 65 to 70, in most instances, your immune system doesn't function as well. Pulmonary disease, liver and kidney disease, any kind of previous autoimmune conditions. And we're really going to stratify what I mean by autoimmune when we talk about gut health any kind of chronic neurological disease, any kind of uh, neurodegenerative disease, and anything pertaining to heart and lung disease posed an issue. So with everything I just heard, most seem 
preventable at some level, right? Except for the aging part piece. If you're if you're not aging, you only have one other option. So I somewhat think, go ahead. I, I think you can attenuate all those things and attenuate your age. Because now we're talking about longevity when we come to age. There's a chronological versus a biological age. So what you do and what you stand for about losing weight is the entry-level key component to most people's health. There'll be studies that I can share with you about uh, the American population versus the Japanese population. And you can see Americans did worse on every front when it came to COVID because our diet was bad. We ate too much sugar. Uh, incidentally, the average American consumes 160 pounds of sugar per year, three times the amount of sugar that they are should eat. And I'll be honest with you, I think that number is even bigger than it should be because there's no nutritional value in sugar. Getting to the next step, we consume too much wheat. We consume too many artificial sweeteners. Basically, the standard American diet has an acronym and we call it SAD. So we need to change how we eat. We need to get our body compositions. You know, I just had a conversation with a patient. She said, you know, I'm 5'10", I'm 150 pounds, I'm flaca. So you know what that means? She says, she's skinny. Like, you're not, you're not skinny. 5'10", 150 is a reasonable body weight as your body fat and muscle is distributed. The vision of what is thin and fit now has changed. You know, the idea of a six pack, if you will, has gone to a one or a two pack. So again, Americans are looking through a interesting lens. They're being very myopic and they don't realize that we are too heavy. Our diet is failing. And I hate to say it, our elected officials really aren't talking about what keeps us healthy. They're talking about health coverage. I know you don't want to go there because that's a rabbit hole where both of us may never truly come out of. That is true. Andy, but you touched on some interesting things because when I work with clients that are in other countries, right? Usually their idea of losing weight is the, or, or yeah, their idea of losing weight is more of looking more thinner, but still have some muscle, but having a six pack versus when I work with people in, in the US, more often than not, they think of size and muscle and, you know, gaining weight. Or not so gaining weight, but they want to look more bulky and carry more muscle. And that seems to be, and I think that's a very, a big misnomer, which is really an issue Great because point. I myself, I'm about 184, 185 pounds. I weigh, I'm 5'11". So by BMI, technically I'm considered overweight, but of course I'm more muscle than I am fat. So that's a different scenario, different, for different conversation for a different day. However, there are people who still look at me and be like, you can pack on 20 more pounds of muscle or you can gain some more size. And I hear people even say that to me a lot because of how things are in our society. You know, we look at Instagram and as much as I post my workouts on Instagram, I'm sure you see other people see it in TikTok, but we see a lot of these guys who are just 250 and 260 and 280. And we want to aspire to be like them, right? And I'm not saying you shouldn't build muscle. Of course, we know that muscle building is very important in, in, um, in the aging process and in their health. But con- just conspiring to have a high BMI, even if it's muscle, can be detrimental to your health. But most people don't have a problem with muscle. They have a problem with too much body fat anyway. So that's a whole different conversation. In right. I agree. And those 250, 260 guys are training using different kinds of supplementation than the average person. And they've made a 24 hours, seven day a week, 365 commitment to putting muscle mass on. Interesting. Dr. Gabrielle Lyons has said the muscle mass is your longevity organ. Tufts University, 1998, 
I spoke about muscle mass and said the loss of muscle mass leading to sarcopenia is the first sign of aging. So it's not about being like Arnold, who incidentally wasn't just big in size. He had lean muscle mass. He may not have that as much now at 75, give the guy a break. But in his heyday, when he was Arnold, he didn't have just 22-inch arms. He had a small, thin waist with low body fat. So it's really your muscle to fat ratio. And to piggyback on what you said earlier, it's true. Most people have enough muscle. So if it's a six-foot guy like myself, and he's weighing 250, and he could be really muscular and lean at 210, he's carrying 40 pounds of extra weight. That's 40 pounds. That's a vest walking around. But as I said before, fat cells are depositories for toxins. They're creating inflammation. So not only is he walking around with an extra 40 pounds, he's walking around with an extra 40 pounds of 24-hour creation of inflammatory mediators causing a detrimental effect to his whole health. Then he gets infected with COVID, a virus that the body has never seen. And what did you expect? Nothing but bad outcomes, whereas somebody like you, that you said 5'11", 180, 185, probably around 10% body fat on on a bad day, your body is ready, not that you're not going to get sick, not that you're not going to raise a fever, but you're not going to go into the tundra of that COVID and possibly not long COVID. So it's three years, everybody. And there's vaccines, there's a lot of things. And again, we're not going to talk about that. That's another rabbit hole. But the bottom line is the one constant that has not changed is we need in America to take better care of ourselves. And we should start today because you had three years to get into shape. That's right. And we need to keep working on it. And just like you, I have a mission. My job would be, and that's why I say the show is a weight management show and I'm a weight management expert. It's about tra- teaching you to manage your body weight in the long term. It's not about, I can tell you to cut your calories and work out more. And that's one thing. But as far as longevity wise, reducing sarcopenia, the loss of muscle mass as we age, that's an important part of the process. Having the right um, dig- um, digestive enzymes like amylase and lipase and protease, so you can break foods down well. And there's so much that goes, the, t- the proper way to train weightlifting versus cardio, how to mix it up. There's so much that goes into it. But once you're doing it, you'll feel better. You have more energy. You'll, you can combat diseases and combat uh, illnesses a whole lot better. And there's so much there. But this is what I really want to talk about. I want to talk about gut health because we're talking about taking better care for ourselves. So let's talk about gut health and long COVID. What are the connections there? You know, it's interesting. So many people ask me, what are the mechanisms of long COVID? And mechanisms are immune dysregulation. So I'm going to back up the truck just a little bit and and give a couple of things and really get into the gut health. But immune dysregulation is a critical element. Our immune system is not functioning well because our bodies are not healthy. In addition, we have something called autoimmunity and immune priming. So immune priming is the idea that our immune system took a picture of COVID in 2020. And every time we see one of its cousins, variants, or mutations, we print the same picture, produce the wrong antibodies, and that's why we're getting sick no matter what we're doing. Some of the other mechanisms are dysfunctional neurological signaling. You know, the body's an interconnected organism. If we're not functioning well, if we're not communicating, that poses a problem. Our body should sound like a mellifluous soliloquy, as opposed to most American bodies sounding like a junior varsity 
um, orchestra without a conductor. But the real one that we want to talk about is gut health. 80% of our immune cells are in our gut. It's where our, our macro and micronutrients are absorbed. Our gut is our, without question, the epicenter of our health. Our gut communicates with the brain in every part of our body. So therefore, it is our super highway to health. Interesting that that indicates that post-acute COVID-19 syndrome and gut dysbiosis, dysbiosis being the unleveling of good and bad bacteria, lingers for over a year after the SARS-CoV clearance. So what did I just say? That our gut is still dysfunctional one year after we get COVID-19. Now, what's interesting about it, people say, well, why? Well, it's real simple. You got to shed the virus. And there's a lot of people out there that were talking about shedding a virus. There's a lot of people in my uh, field also said some very interesting things. Here's the memo, everybody listening. You shed a virus through your gut because 80% of your immune cells are in your gut. And it's a way to get it through your system. So this type of strain on your gut can cause something called a leaky gut. Now, when your gut is leaky, that is a detriment to your overall health. It's a break in what we call our screen and things can pass our gut like viruses, bacteria, and large food particles that aren't supposed to, putting a strain on our immune system. So people ask another reason why. Well, it's gonna be a little technical now. B cell activations, which are antibodies for our immune system in our bloodstream, when they expand, they prohibit our gut from healing. And our gut is epithelial cells has to heal and knit. So therefore, our gut is under strain on multiple fronts. So when people come into me, and I know it's your favorite topic, the first thing I ask them is, what have you done for your guts lately? Do you have the guts to be healthy? I love that. And now I have a couple of things that I was thinking about as you were talking. So gut dysbiosis for people who are not familiar with it, right? We know it's more of the combination of good versus bad bacteria, your gut environment. But what do you think there's a percentage of good versus bad bacteria you should have to say, hey, I do have a healthy gut environment. And also, I should answer that question. And I'll think of the second one because I can't think of it right now. Absolutely. It's approximately 85% good versus bad bacteria. So let's expand on that conversation a little bit because I think the listeners and, and, and the people watching really want to know. Um, your gut is an ecosystem. It is like a neighborhood. The bulk of the people who live there or the bulk of the bacteria organisms that live there are commensal. They're sort of like middle class. They take up the real estate. And on the left side of the gut, if you will, or something called symbiotics, you feed them a little, you feed them some fiber and they populate. So they're, they're the rich kids in the neighborhood, if you will. On the right side, are sort of the bad kids. They're called parasitic. Well, you need to have some because your whole body needs to know what a parasitic is because it needs to sharpen its defense against it. And everybody needs to know the bad kid because you want to stay away from it. The problem is when the parasitic overtakes in number, the commensal or the symbiotic, You've got dysbiosis, you have failing gut health, and you probably have failing health. So dysbiosis can be avoided by funneling as much good bacteria and as much prebiotics to feed your probiotics. So you ultimately end with something called a postbiotic. You know what's they're now selling postbiotics on the shelves, which I think is absolutely crazy. <laughs> um, because the way I look at it, I don't have any data to back this up, but I look at it as 
what your body body produces different types of postbiotics and it's what your body produces if you feed your your pre your postbiotic your probiotics prebiotics it produces the postbiotics that your body needs i think that's the best way to look at it and another way i look at it is you know because i've had people ask me what what's what's your favorite probiotic to take and of course you have to make sure they're alive culture strain and all that stuff but i always say this one thing and you just said it if you're not eating healthy fiber it doesn't matter what probiotics you take. <laughs> like you have to eat, especially oligosaccharides, you know, that very good, very healthy, feeds your good, but it's so good for your gut environment because your your probiotics can feed on them. But I remember my second question now. We're talking about the we're talking about dysbiosis up to a year post-COVID. Is that on average? Is it differences say with healthy versus unhealthy people? Do you see any differences there? You know, it's fascinating in that that was average. So when you think about it, one of the first questions I ask patients when they come in is when was the last time or have you ever had a positive COVID test? So they'll respond and then I'll say, are these symptomologies, are these issues that you have now post-COVID? And they'll say yes. And you'll find out that COVID has had a tremendous, unfortunate impact on our healthcare society and our healthcare finances in that long COVID to date has had a $3.7 trillion strain on the U.S. government for healthcare costs. That's equal to the Great Recession of 2007 and 2009. The only thing with long COVID is it hasn't stopped yet. It's still growing. And it would appear that it's going to appreciate in the near future. Love it. And with, well, not love the fact that, you know, we're going to be dealing with long COVID for a while, but I love the information. And thank you so much for sharing that. And we have, we're coming up on the Hackett episode. I mean, time really does fly when you're having fun because I absolutely love this topic. But before I introduce a Hackett episode, your boy got to pay some bills. You know, that's how I stick around. You know, I stick around. You know, I got to work with sponsors, right? But this is one of my favorite sponsors, the Amino Co. So they have Heal, one of my favorite products. It's 100% science-backed essential amino acid formulation designed to reduce recovery times and improve physical function by accelerating muscle repair while helping you to maintain a healthy inflammatory response. See, there's a recent clinical trial of Heal. One scoop and two amounts compared to high-quality whey protein and the net whole body protein synthesis and breakdown were measured and the response to heal was found to be three times larger than whey protein on a gram to gram basis. Absolutely love this stuff. I drink it every time I'm training. I actually use it more like an intro workout because it has creatine, because it has a particular blend of essential amino acids and whey protein concentrate that your body can absorb and use while you're training, even post-workout as recovery, or if you're injured, it's something to think about as well because it can help you to maintain muscle mass, one of the things we'll be talking about. And one of my favorite things about Amino Co, because we're talking about artificial sweeteners, they have um, flavors. Sorry, that's my train of thought there. They have flavors that uses natural sweeteners. So if you don't want to use artificial sweeteners, they have those flavors available to you all natural flavors as well you will see it when you go on the website to purchase it you will tell you all natural so there you go the website is aminoco.com slash zico health 
my code Zico Health gives you 30% off. But of course, I'll make sure that it's in the description of the podcast. So you can click on it, get your 30% off, heal, perform, and all the essential amino-based products. With that being said, let's get to the hack of the episode. What are some ways we can reduce the severity and length of long COVID symptoms? And another excellent question. Number one, I believe adhering to a healthy lifestyle prior to infection will decrease the risk of post-COVID. But let's get into that in that Let's get specific. So I have a saying that I like to say, you can't control the virus. You can only control the host. Can't control the air. Yeah, you can have a filter, but you can control the host. You can make the host a inhospitable host for viruses, bacteria, fungi, and the like. So avoid certain foods. I have some acronyms I like to share with everybody. GPS, no gluten, no processed food, and no added sugar. DNA, no dairy, yes, no dairy, no nicotine, no artificial sweeteners. Also, please avoid any kind of deep fried foods. Avoid vegetable oils that people cook in. There's no vegetables in vegetable oils. There's seed oils. They may be the most detrimental thing you could add to your diet. Try and follow an anti-inflammatory diet. Control your glycemic index and load whatever fruits or whatever carbs that you decide to eat. Eat lower, lower amounts of sugar. I'm a big proponent of detecting and avoiding food sensitivities. Not food allergies as much. Of course, you have to avoid an allergy, but food sensitivities, allergy sensitivity. An allergy is something that you'll know you have immediately because you'll eat it and you're swell. Food sensitivities is something that you'll ingest and you can have a 72-hour wait till symptomology is shining through. So therefore, you need to test for food sensitivities. Avoid your environmental overload. And if you're going to eat, make clean eating a priority. Eat organic food. Eat farm to fork. Eat wild smash fish, smash, salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, herring. Eat a plant forward type diet, maybe 80% plant, 20% animal proteins and fishes and the like. Fruits and vegetables, but be careful in the fruits you consume. Berries, go for it. Apples, okay. The higher glycemic ones like mango, banana, orange, maybe not a good choice. Grass-fed meats, high fiber, nuts and seeds, bone broth, herbs like ginger and turmeric. Make sure you consume proper amounts of fluid intake, water, hydrate, Make sure you, if you're going to drink organic um, teas and coffees, they, they should be organic. Watch the oils. And here's one of the bigger lifestyle hacks, time-restrictive eating and intermittent fasting. So it's really time-restrictive eating, everybody, means that you feast and f- fast in the same day. Intermittent fasting technically means that you don't eat for the day. Either way, whatever you want to call it, you want to have a 14 to 16 hour window in a day that you don't eat because that intermittent fast allows for a process called autophagy. It's the breakdown of old cells and you can make new cells. It's our body's own cleansing process. We were not made to eat all day. We were made to eat in part of the day and rest from food for the rest of the day. This autophagy 
which won a 2016 Nobel Prize, enables you to break those old cells and make new cells. So new cells like a new immune cells or immune rejuvenative cells, these new cells, these new immune cells allow for immune resilience, makes your immune system resilient. So it's much more flexible to an onslaught of toxins or a new virus. The same holds true in intermittent fasting with mitophagy the breakdown of old mitochondria and new mitochondria, which is critical because it's the mitochondrial dysfunction that gives us so much fatigue, which is characterized in long COVID. Sufficient sleep, seven to eight hours of good sleep. You got to exercise, everybody. I mean, it's 30 minutes a day or you can be dead 24 hours a day. I don't see it as being a choice. I see it being as fun. Find something that you like. Walk in a mall, you know, body weight exercise, weight resistance. I'm a chiropractor. I believe chiropractic care is the backbone of healthcare. I think everybody would benefit from good chiropractic service. Any kind of low-level laser, non-thermal laser works great for mitochondria function. Modify your stress. And of course, take care of your immune system. So those would be lifestyle hacks. Check out the book, everyone. Immune Reboot. And he also has it behind him. It's the other book. It's the Inside Out Health because he does discuss these topics in detail. And he... He makes it digestible. That's how we like about it. It makes it digestible. So you can reread it, understand it, and start to make some changes in your life. Because I love those tips. Those are the tips that I've put together in the years that I've been working on my own personal health that has helped me tremendously, even with dropping body fat, by changing, uh, by let's say uh, time-restrictive eating is one thing. I interviewed uh, one of the scientists from Zoe when the show was early. I think it was a year, year and a half ago. And they have the largest nutrition study in the world. And they mentioned that the, the one thing that they always see with people who have health issues is that they eat too often, where they're always in a post-digestive state. And that's one of the reasons why people sometimes will eat and then they're even not even hungry, but they will eat again. They're always in a post-digestive state. Your body's not properly breaking down what you're eating before you introduce new foods. But when you restrict your when you restrict your time that you eat, that can tremendously change that. But then it gets scary because people say, what do you mean? I, I, I can't eat till three or four o'clock. I was like, no, no, slow down. Your sleeping time counts. Every health expert says at least three hours before you go to bed, you need to stop eating. You need to give your body time to digest your food. Your sleep time counts, seven to eight hours of good sleep. So let's say eight hours, that's 11 hours, right? Hopefully you're not eating when you're sleeping unless you're a sleep eater or something. Then you add a few hours to that and boom, you have your fasting window. It's really that easy. That could be 10 o'clock. That could be 11 o'clock, whatever. Like, it just depends on what time you stop eating, what time you, what time you break your fast in the morning. The term break fast doesn't mean eight o'clock in the morning. Breakfast means break fast when you actually break your fast. That's the actual meaning of the word. That's where the, the word really came from. And my parents used to tell me that even as a child, that was the meaning behind break fast or breakfast, right? Break fast. Then when we look at seed oils, and I've talked about it a lot, vegetable oils are not seed oils, canola oil. And I've said this, I've, there are certain quote unquote health food stores that when you go to buy their almonds or some of their nuts, guess what it's roasted in? Canola oil. And I felt for this for a while until I looked at the back one day, I was like, hold on, this is a seed oil, right? So, so see, so we want to look for healthy options, extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil, 
you know, avocado oil, like healthier anti-inflammatory oils. You know what you may want to think about? Like you talk about healthy fish, like mackerel, fatty fish and salmon, all that stuff. Well, maybe even um, fish oil, you know, adding fish oil into your diet, you know, because that's also another way to get some anti-inflammation. And, and also, so a lot of fish oils are fortified with vitamin D or, 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 or have vitamin D. So that's another benefit. Going out in the sun, getting the vitamin D from the sun, that's another benefit for your immune system. There's so many things we can do. But it, with all that being said, read his books. You can get them on, where can you get your books, uh, Dr. Rob? You can get my book at immunereboot.com or go right to Amazon. Perfect. And with that being said, the show notes are going to be zikahel.com slash immunereboot, which will have all the information that you need to know about Dr. Rob. And with that being said, I'm getting ready to get out of here, but I'm going to leave you the, we'll give you the floor here, Dr. Rob. Do you have anything to share with my audience before we get out of here? Absolutely. The time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. JFK, you need to be proactive with your health. Do not be reactive. Love it. Reactive is when we start taking medications and pills and trying to cover up a symptom that could have been avoided if we had made the right steps. And with that yeah. being said, we're out for the day. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.